You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan and love having special guests on Spits and Suds to Talk about stars, talk about their careers, and we are so happy to be joined by Brian Ray. You watch Brian in between periods, stars pregame, stars postgame, him and Brett Severin doing a great job on Valley Sports Southwest, and he joins us today. Kind of a late night last night, right, Brian? Kind of last couple games uh, late nights. They're they're always late. If it's a West Coast game, they're always late. No matter what sport it is, whether it's baseball or or, or us here on uh on the stars side, they're always late, and we were we were a little groggy last night, especially after John Gibson uh, went uh, went off in net for Anaheim. But, yeah, uh, it's fun to be with you, man. And, yeah, me. thank you so much. And we'll 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 talk about that in just a second. There is one thing on my mind: Will we ever see a live drop of the mitts between you and Sevy? Never. Okay. Never. I know. It, it's simple. It's it's pretty obvious the size discrepancy I would get snapped into <laughs> without a doubt. It's a one-sided However, chirp like, relationship like I have with Ludwig. You know what? No, no, it's definitely not one-sided. Look, okay. I recognize, I recognize the physical discrepancy between me and Sevy, and Sevy <laughs> knows I recognize it. However, if Sevy throws a chirp at me, I'm not going to lay down. I am going to find a way to squawk him back in some fashion. I view it as the little brother, big brother relationship. The little brother knows he's the little brother, but he's going to take his shot. He's going to take his swing whenever it comes. So, you know, Sevy's going to squawk me as much as he wants, and he will probably always have the upper hand. But I'm going down in a blaze of glory if if I have to. That's it, that's the way I've I've determined things now. It really does seem like you guys have good chemistry. When you're off the air, you guys – you know, I always love the behind the scenes and, you know, for those listening, you know, let us in. Are you guys watching the game together, comparing notes? Yeah, it's yes. In terms of watching games, we are because usually like we're, we're at every home game. We're watching the road games from the studio that we work from. So as soon as we get off air. Usually, you know, we each have a dinner, you know, maybe he'll eat it in one place, I'll eat it in the other, but we're both watching the game. Sometimes we'll eat it together, we're both watching the game. And a lot of times, me, Sevy, and our producer, Matt, we're just sort of throwing things out there. Hey, did you notice this? Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, I've seen this occurring a couple of times. Do you think there's something there? And, you know, or a, a random situation will pop up. Last night in Anaheim, the two quick whistles. It's like, boy, that was a quick whistle. Second time you see how fired up Tyler Sagan was. Yeah. It's like, well, Sagan was involved in the first one. I'd be fired up too. It just sort of turns into a hockey conversation as we're all watching together. And and from there, 
we sort of can find the different things we want to talk about. There is stationary stuff we know we're going to do automatically. Like we're always going to get reports from Michelle because she's going to get some good information. We're always going to have stats, but where can we fill in the blanks of just sort of how is a game developing? Um, so yeah, we're always watching games together. And then, you know, the game that was on ESPN against LA, we have a group chat and, Sometimes we're just sort of throwing out random things we notice from a game. Sometimes we're making fun of each other. Sometimes we're posting gifts and memes just to be ridiculous. It's, so it's sort of all over the map. But, you know, at, at practice, Sevi and I will have random conversations about the practice or players or what we did that weekend or some funny thing that happened or a different story that popped up for one of us previously in our in our hockey careers and so a lot of times like if a joke if i make a joke on our show there's a pretty good chance it's an inside joke that somehow occurred on our show <laughs> and i'm doing it to get the crew or somebody behind the scenes to laugh because you got to have fun when you're working sure. you know 70 hockey games especially a west coast game that goes until midnight you know or or, or 12 30 um so it sort of comes all over the place. And I know that's a really long answer to your question, but it's sort of like everything is on the table when it comes to, to how we interact with our show. He's Brian Ray of Valley Sports Southwest. I guess let's get into the two-game series. So on Wednesday night, I was talking the next morning with Derek Holland in the hallways here at the Fan, and, and we were both talking about how great of a hockey game that was. And sometimes when you take a step back, we all want the stars to win. But I was like, that had a playoff atmosphere. It was physical. There was great puck movement, great passing, you know, some terrific defense, some terrific goaltending from both sides. So, uh, you know, tough loss for the stars against the Kings. But then, you know, last night, I, I've always been a Gibson fan. I think he's a terrific netminder. I know the stats say otherwise. That's a tough Anaheim team to be on right now. Uh, they're rebuilding. They do have some nice pieces, but uh, I think you're going to see them trade off a lot of, uh, you know, of the older vets so they can get some more draft capital. Um, but at the same time, I just felt as good as Gibson was, I didn't feel, and maybe it was because of the night prior, I just didn't feel as though the legs were there. And Tyler Sagan said as much when I was watching you guys afterwards. He just said their effort was there. Um, you know, their compete was the word he used. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that as well. The, I, I agree with you on the LA game. I, I thought it was just a good, tight, checking, hard-nosed, yeah, the closest thing you'll see to like a playoff-style game, It's it felt like everything was going to be below the face-off dots with, with how things were, were going to be won. And then Kempe gets the, the power play goal, obviously that that would be a fun playoff series. Like I would watch oh, that game yeah. four to seven times. I really, and it would be fun. It, it would be a lot of fun. And I also like LA's LA is not Anaheim and LA's I'll even say San Jose, you know, they, they are a team that is competing in their division for playoff positioning. So they have something to play for and we'll see how long Phoenix Copley can continue this run. He's on for, LA and that amazing right now, he's been a big component of it yeah with the Anaheim game I thought look period one I thought the stars looked slow 
um, whether it was the energy from the game before, whether it was not having the same motivation playing a team like Anaheim versus LA, I'm not sure, but, but I thought period one, they looked slow. I thought Anaheim was the better team. I thought period two and period three, Dallas was better than Anaheim. Gibson was better than Dallas. Um, and the one component consistently for me through that Anaheim game, and Stevi and I were talking about this as the game went along, th- they just felt off. Just everything yeah. felt a little bit off. And I think of, you know, there were a couple of guys that, it, you know, on, on a power play, Jamie Benn gets a feed through the box. And instead of the one-timer, he kind of had to double clutch it for a moment to settle the puck down. And then the Stars couldn't make anything happen. I think it was the the second period, there was a rush up ice. There was a cross-ice feed to Rope Hints. And he kind of bobbled the puck and sort of whoopsie bit, trying to, you know, snap off the quick shot. Joe Pavelski had like a toe drag in the third period that sort of rolled off his stick and he had to regather it it was little things like that passes that you usually see connected or quick shots off a pass that you usually see executed there was a hesitation there was a little bit of a double clutch and they just weren't crisp in the same way we've seen them in other games this season you know peter DeBoer's comments after the games i thought were really good yes it's a bad road trip they lost both games but this isn't something that they're going to get into a panic or a twist about right now, because it's not, it's not time for that yet. So I, you know, you don't want to give them a pass on losing a team to Anaheim, a team you should beat, but there are going to be moments in the season where you just don't have your best game. And the other team does have its best game. In the case of last night, the goaltender had his best. And it happened. Yeah, I think I think I think that's a great perspective. Which hopefully they can against yeah. Florida. Yep. Yeah. Then they, they and and the other thing too, and I heard I think it was Brad Marchand was talking about the Boston Bruins after they won the Winter Classic. Yep. Somebody asked him, you know, what what needs to happen next for the Boston Bruins, and he said the season has gone so well for Boston, they actually need a little adversity. They have to deal with something as a team. I think you can look at the same thing for the stars and it, it's okay if they have to deal with a little adversity. They've been virtually the top team in the division since the season began. For the most part, things have gone well because of where they've been in the Western conference standings, a little, a bad road trip, a bad game back to back and dealing with some struggles could be a good thing in the long run. Cause you do need to, build up some scar tissue as a team it's a veteran laden team so there's already a lot of scar tissue built up but for some of the newcomers and and some of the younger players scar tissue is not a bad thing and i think they're starting to deal with some of that right now based on these last two games in la and uh, in anaheim well the other thing i loved was rupe hence returned to the game and when he tried to get oh my goodness when he tried to get up and then went back down yeah I, I mean, I was thinking in my head, is it two to three weeks? Is it three to four weeks? And, I mean, you could immediately, and this is one of the things that uh, I love about hockey. You know, when you take a Joe Pavelski, you know, you know and the Spit and Chicklets were talking about this on their podcast. Like, how much has Joe, because they were talking about the new Joe Pavelski contract, how much 
has Joe Pavelski meant in that is Rope Hanson, Jason Robertson, are they that much more, are they just as effective without Pavelski? And I can tell you when Hintz was out of the lineup last night, granted, as we talked about, the Stars weren't playing well, but you could kind of feel the difference. It wasn't for that long, but you could kind of feel the difference. And part of it is is because you have a new line mate, but at the same time, it's that chemistry. And that's one of the things that I applaud DeBoer about. I just felt like in years past, I felt like every game it was a juggle lineup, juggle lineup, and kind of the, you know, well, everyone practices together so they can do this. I understand for momentum purposes, juggling lineups, but when you have health and you have line chemistry, that's so important. Well, it seems like that line is the one line that hasn't been juggled for the last two years, essentially. And, and with, I I've always said the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, right? You know, Joe Pavelski has made Rope Hints and Jason Robertson much better players by being the presence that he is with those two. But I think jo- Jason Robertson and Rope Hints call it giving Joe Pavelski a new lease on life um, because of the production he's been able to put up in his age, you know, 36, seven and 38. Amazing. Years. Uh, yeah, it's and it's and it's not that Joe Pavelski would not have been able to do it without those two. It, it's just they, they complement each other well. And there's always, I wish I had a good definition of chemistry. It, it's kind of one of those you you don't know how to define it, but you know it when you see it type thing. Yep. And clearly, what you've seen with with the top line is is true chemistry. And yeah, th- it is a different animal when those three are on the ice together playing hockey, as opposed to anybody else with them or any other line for the Dallas stars, it's a great luxury to have. And it, it's going to be a big factor in, in whatever they end up doing this year. But with, with rope hints, like it, think of some of the injuries he's gone through, Yeah, you know, it's the, the, the groin injury or whatever during the COVID shortened season where it was Willie or won't, he was playing every other game, essentially like play a game, take a game off, play a game, take a game off. He had, in the bubble run, he was dealing with some injuries and, and, and labored through it as best he could all, all the way to the series against Tampa. And, and for the shot block he took last night, it's great to see him coming back. But another thing that Sevy and I were chatting about is, and even Esselindel, the shot block he took. Okay, they came back. That's a great sign. What do they feel like today? Yeah. Once the adrenaline filters out of the system and how does the body react to wherever that puck hit them or whatever type of pain it caused, what does the body react today regarding that? It it could be nothing. It's good that they have a day off and, and there, and there's some treatment that can happen if, if it's needed and they have a few days off until they play Florida, but, but it's always the next day for me. It, it, what does what the body look like the next day for the player? How does the body feel the next day? Because there's always the adrenaline factor that sort of allows you to power through a couple of the different items when, when you're dealing with injuries or, or circumstances like that. Yeah, I also like the chemistry between Marchment, Ben, and Wyatt Johnston that's forming. And uh, those two will protect Johnston, um, kind of allow him to roam free. And uh, I really like Marchment in the corners. Um, I've just seen... You know, he started out so red hot and then there was a cooling off period. And now it just looks like, um, you know, he's finding his game. And I mean, we're celebrating Joe Pavelski, but 
you remember, Brian, when he first came here, there was the whole Matt Zuccarello thing. Should we sign Zuccarello or should we sign Pavelski? And Pavelski got off to a little slow start, and he said there was a transition as far as getting used to your teammates, getting used to your line mates, and getting used to a new city. Yeah, I, I don't have their ages off the top of my head. I, I love, like a lot of Stars fans, a lot of hockey fans, I love to play the cap-friendly game. I really do. I do too. And yeah, it's, I think we all do. I, I, I think we, we live, we live in a fantasy sports world. You know, we, we, I'm not a big fantasy sports guy, but it's the world we live in and being able to, you know, at first you were looking at stats and trying to draft your fantasy team. Now with different sports, you have access to ro- roster numbers and contract terms and, yeah. and salary cap or it, it's just added another layer to that fantasy sports mentality that sports fans have today. But when you look at the Pavelski and Zuccarello comparison, the the thing you have to remember is, gosh, what was it? It was either a five-year deal at six mil per year that Zuccarello signed, or it was a six-year deal at five mil per year that he signed with Minnesota. But I think he and Pavelski were in that similar age bracket. And that's a lot of term at a hefty price to commit to one player at that age. So I understand why Jim Nill and the stars let Matt Zuccarello walk or decided not to match that contract, whatever the circumstances were. I, I and I fully supported it in, in terms of the big picture, the Joe Pavelski thing, the, the other wrinkle you have to remember with that first contract, it was a three-year deal and it was the, the 7 million per whatever it was, but there was no protection in the third year. And that third year was the Seattle expansion draft. So the way that contract was set up was, look, we'll, we'll give you that term and, and it's a fair market value, but you have to prove to us in the first two seasons, not to expose you in the third year. So it, both sides got what they want. There was kind of an, you know, and, and there's kind of an out clause on both sides. Well, obviously, Pavelski that second year just went nuts. And you saw the chemistry with that line of Rope Hinson, Jason Robertson develop. And he basically told the stars, I'm worth the third year. And absolutely, they were going to protect him with what he did. So little details that get structured into contracts and, and the Jason Robertson contract and the Jay Hottinger contracts are other ones you can use to sort of dive to do a rabbit hole, deep dive. There's, there's benefits to both sides because there's certain outs for both sides that sort of hold each side accountable. And, and I think that's what worked so well with that Pavelski contract, that first one uh, for the three years compared to maybe what Matt Zuccarello was getting from the Minnesota wild in terms of the length of that contract. And those are like, if those decisions and the salary cap affect GMs on a daily basis, like they really every day, general managers and assistant general managers are thinking about the salary cap. That's how much of an influence it is. It is the daily driving force in a lot of decisions for NHL rosters. It, it's, it really is a huge component that I don't think general managers get enough credit for. And even the assistant general manager or whoever the cap guy is gets enough credit for having to maneuver and manipulate the cap as best they can. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So we welcome uh, Florida Panthers, and it's going to be interesting. Paul Maurice takes over, uh, formerly of Winnipeg, and... This was by many predictions a possible Eastern Conference favorite slash Stanley Cup uh, final, and they have struggled, especially on the blue line. So it's going to be interesting. That said, they certainly have some offensive weapons. We see another pesky Kachuk come to town, and uh, they've been struggling kind of in the net as well, so not the Florida team that a lot of people predicted. You know, but... There's, it's so weird when you look at them on paper, right? Like I, I would, you know, not that you're not going to be nervous. There's, I'm, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit. Um, you know, I am a believer in the Bill Parcells. You are what your record says you are. Sure. And if, if you look at Florida, they're, I think, a game below 500 or they're essentially a 500 team. So that, that after 35 to 40 games, I think it's fair to say that's who they are. And looking at the standings last night, I think they have to leap five teams right now to get the second wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. And three of those five teams are the Islanders, the Penguins, and the Sabres. Yeah, the East is the beast. Wow. Yeah, I I, I think Detroit and Ottawa are the other ones. Yeah. So, like, out of those five teams, do you believe one – the Florida Panthers can leap five teams between now and the end of the season to get a second wild card. And two, like of those five teams, like do you see Pittsburgh slowing down? Do you see the Islanders slowing down? Do you even see Buffalo slowing down? As weird as Buffalo is, they can, you know, they have nights where they just are offensive juggernauts and then, you know, but you still look at their goaltending and you're like, who are, how do you have Craig Anderson as your number one at 57 years old or whatever he is now? Yeah, they're two uh, or three pieces but, away from a solid playoff yeah, berth. Yeah, yeah, but but like, but how do you see? How do you leap five teams? Don't to know. Get the last playoff spot, you know, just as tight as it is. Yeah. But if there's one team <laughs> that scares me, and that I would not be surprised if they put it all together in the second half and went on a run, it would be the Florida Panthers. Like when you look at the names on that roster. That's too good of a roster to not make a second half push. So it almost doesn't make sense to me. Like I, I do not believe leaping five teams at this point to get a second wild card spot makes any sense in my mind. Yep. Yeah. I look at the Florida Panthers and I'm like, if there is a team that is capable of going on a run, that's a roster and a team that, that could do it. So they are a really interesting team to watch 
as we get past the all-star break into the second half of the season. And, and they, it'll, it'll be an interesting game with the two thirty start as well. Yeah. Between both clubs. This is to me, the most parody I've seen in an NHL season in that probably your worst team in the NHL, I guess would be Anaheim. And even they have some terrific pieces and, um, you know, I think, when you look at the you know teams, it's Ottawa. I mean, look at what Arizona's doing at home. Um, everyone's making fun of that barn, and now that barn is a you know, it's a you don't want to go into that barn. So you know, I think it's the most exciting year we've had in the NHL. I think it's awesome to see um, so many teams have young superstars, including right here with Jason Robertson and Rupe Hints and, and and on and Wyatt Johnston. I just. It's fun. I mean, I was always a passionate NHL guy, Brian, but, I mean, there aren't many games that I'll turn off. I mean, I'll look at my package, and I'll just flip throughout the night and watch these various games. This is the result of the salary cap. Yep. This is the whole point of implementing a salary cap, and it it, it does make for fun hockey. But like, every, with the exception of maybe, two teams you know you mentioned we we played anaheim last night right so you mentioned anaheim even anaheim has three top line level forwards yep and two top pair level defenders and at so there's going to be games where those top line forwards and top pair defenders are going to play well Maybe maybe they maybe they can dictate a matchup because they're on home ice. Maybe they're just heating up right now. You know, may, maybe they're catching a team that's playing three and four nights. Whatever the reason is, but every team has at least a top line and a top pair that can hurt you if you do not respect and pay attention to them. Um, and, and you know, and and the goalie position is just so good now. But although I don't know, it's an off. It, it, there's been an offensive surge the last two years, so maybe it's a, it's a different story. But that's that's the whole product of the salary cap is that every team can create at least a unit that can do some type of damage. It's you know your top tier teams have the depth that separates them night in and night out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, you're listening to Spits and Suds, and it's time where we get to know Brian Ray of Valley Sports Southwest. Not only is he a passionate dog lover, my sources tell me that I can ask him anything about cowboy mouth, and would that be true, sir? Yeah, well, you know what? When we were, when we were joking before we, before we started this, how you did your information, and the, wow, the cowboy mouth reference Not bad, huh? is that strong. I mean, I don't know who you paid for that. But the, the dog lover is obvious because my 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 Australian Shepherd Ginger is all over my social media. Uh, she's a complete diva. But the cowboy mouth, I'll give you, I'll give you full marks for that. That's a serious reference. <laughs> well, I try. And if you don't know, if, 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 and anybody who's listening, if you don't know who Cowboy Mouth is, they are a rock band from the late '90s. Yes, that never quite made it. Phenomenal live show. 
Um, I have a very, very long history going back to when I was maybe 12 or 13 years old with this band, my all-time favorite band, but they are, they just didn't quite make it, mm-hmm. but man, did I have a lot of fun with this band for the last 25 years of my life. So I was looking for tour dates to see if Brian Ray was going to be able to go see Cowboy Mouth um, out of season. And uh, nothing close to real Texas, but they did say, if you would like us in your town, click here. So, I mean, get a little private show so, maybe going. Right. Well, I'm, 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 well, I don't, I'm not going to pay <laughs> into the private show. I'm not going to do that. So, so this, you may, you may lose every listener right here because they're going cowboy who? No, so, I mean, this is why we, no, you know, no. it's, it's kind of, it, it's, we, we, you know, we, we dive in with our guests and we love to find out these interesting tidbits that maybe aren't talked about otherwise. So I'm I'm a 90s music buff, a, a, a 90s, early 2000s. That 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 was sort of my my heyday. But I have older siblings, so I know more about 80s music than I probably should. Okay. Um, but but so the, the song was Jenny Says. It was 1997. That was their their single, their hit. All right. And, you know, if you go and listen to the song, oh, yeah, I remember that one hit wonder partially from the 90s. Mm-hmm. So here, here, here's the, the thing with Cowboy Mouth. If when I went and saw them, I was 14 years old. They were playing a summer festival. They were on tour with Sister Hazel. Like I said, late 90s, living the heyday. Yeah. And, and, my brother discovered Cowboy Mouth because he lived in New Orleans. Cowboy Mouth was a New Orleans band. Sent me the CD, loved the CD, go see them. I show up an hour before they go on stage, and it's this sort of street festival show, and they were actually setting up their own equipment. So I'm in my oversized Cowboy Mouth t-shirt, my Cowboy Mouth hat. I meet, the, and the drummer is the lead singer, Fred LeBlanc, um, really talented musician. So I met Fred before the show, got him to sign my shirt, my CD, my hat, and, you know, chatted with him a bit or whatever. And at the end of the show, Fred pulls me on stage to play drums with him. Whoa. So that was the start of a very strange relationship with this band. And then when they would come back to my hometown of St. Louis, you know, I'd be able to see them before the show. Fred would pull me on stage at the end of the show. And I, we, we did this, I don't know, it was like four or five times, whatever it was. And then, you know, like I turned into a teenager. I'm not some cute, dorky little kid anymore with a baby face. And like, it's, you know, they found some other little kid to bring on stage. I get it. That's fine. So like, I, I'm not going to ask him to play my living room. I just text Fred when is sound check. And when a band doesn't make it big, you can do these kinds of things. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not, it's not like I'm some cool in with the band type thing. Like they just, they, they, they never had the mega moment of success. They came close, but it wasn't there. So I got to know Fred and, and Paul Sanchez, who's no longer with the band, and, and John Thomas Griffith, who still is. Like I, I just got to know them over 20 years of watching this band, and then you follow them in high school and in college, and I would pop up when I was living in different parts of the country working minor league hockey, and they would come to town. I'd see them. So there's just this weird thing where – you know, my brother went to college with one of the roadies and then he discovered them in New Orleans and would see them. And then I end up on stage with this random band 
that has a random song on the radio and it sort of snowballed. And the long convoluted way I'm getting to the wrong side of this way too in depth. <laughs> I mean, you can hear the excitement in your voice. Of. You can hear this. It is. It's it, look, look, I, the only people who know more about this band than me is the band. All right. It, it's as simple <laughs> as that. So when, when the song Jenny says came on the radio, this is why nobody's ever heard of Cowboy Mouth. They were signed to MCA records and they have this song, and they had a really good following in what I'll call the South, the, the SEC, the southeastern part of the country, Texas all the way to Georgia, up to maybe Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, because that's the main area they tour. They're, they're based in New Orleans, right? So they're building up steam, and MCA Records, I don't even know if MCA Records is around anymore. They might have been bought by somebody. MCA Records has to make a choice in 1997 who are we going to put our money behind to promote nationally? This band Cowboy Mouth and their single Jenny Says, or this band Chumbawamba with a song called Tub Thumping? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, fast forward to 2023. I think it's pretty obvious which song got the money and the promotion behind <laughs> it because Tub Thumping is still played Yep. At arenas today yeah. and on every bad Spotify one hit wonder playlist. Like it, it's obvious who won that battle. Yeah. You get knocked down and get up again. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, they, you know, they try to get up again, but they <laughs> Cowboy Mouth didn't quite. They, they, they've had a great, they've had a great run of success. They still tour nationally today because of the because of how strong their live show was. But yeah. Like, look, I told you people, this is going to be a long story yeah. about a band you never heard of. Right. Gavin opened the cowboy mouth. I did. So blame Gavin. This is, this is what you get when, you know, you do your research. Because we also, that now leads us into the other Brian Ray fact, was Brian was a part of the now defunct Denver Cutthroats. First of all, yep. what a name. I mean, I don't oh, know if that name would exist today, correct? It, it's, well, so the, the, the cutthroat trout is the state fish of Colorado. There you go. And the reason it's called the cutthroat trout is there's a, it's a pinkish line that wraps around its chin, essentially. Like if you look, you think of a you know, fish don't have chins, but right below the mouth, that little underbelly part, they have a pink line hmm. that wraps around that. It literally looks like the a line across a throat, and it happens to be pinkish red, so it's called the cutthroat trout. Fascinating. I, and I'm a fisherman, and I didn't know that. Yeah. So, so that, that what was the mascot called? Gil. Okay. I designed the mascot. You did? Yeah. Nice. So, so like, this is, this is the most, like, minor league sports is a completely different galaxy yep than major league sports it it's and it it's i it i don't know it it i feel like kind of a, a jerk saying it but like if you've lived it you get it if you haven't you don't and like i i hate being you know disclusive you know saying something like that so you know i when i worked for the team i was the broadcaster the pr guy the web the social and I had designed the mascot because it was a brand new team. So uh, 
yeah, we were going through names and I think we did a, a name the name the mascot contest and all that. But look, your mascot's a fish. How do you not name it Gil? You know, it's a great name. It's a really, really, yeah. really cool name. So that team was around for two years? Two years. Yeah. Two, 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 two years, but I only made it one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> at the at the end of you so at the end of uh <laughs> um when the team began it was there was the partial lockout god it might have been it might have been the 2012 there was a partial lockout or a delay to the start of the season so the the ownership spent gobs of money trying to promote the team knowing that there was no nhl hockey going on at the start of the year you want to try and get as many hockey fans to come see your product as possible. And here's an opportunity. Well, it's still a low double a minor league franchise in a major metropolitan city. So you don't get to pay minor league prices if you're a minor league team in Denver, Colorado. So at the end of year one, I was a, a major budget cut casualty. (laughs) So, you know, I had it, I had a blast that year. I lived yeah. in Denver. It was one of the best years of my minor league life. Uh, you know, I was not happy to I was not happy to get axed at the end. I was kind of like, well, I know where you could have you know better budgeted your dollars. Always, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? For Brian's travels uh, in the Central Hockey League, they include the Austin Ice Bats, the Odessa Jackalopes, the Arizona Sun Dogs. We talked about the Cutthroats. And uh, then he joined the Texas Stars. So when you joined Texas and you went up to the American League, you must have thought to yourself, like, all right, now we've taken a nice step. Yes. So uh, I'm going to throw one quick anecdote because you'll, you'll never find it on the Wikipedia page or my resume. I actually was, I also worked for the Lubbock Cotton Kings. Whoa. In the Central Hockey All right. So, okay, that's not on your resume. And yep. I did not see that with my crack research department. So what happened there and why isn't it on your resume? So, so I'll, I'll just, I'll walk, I'll, I'll walk you, I'll, I'll walk you through this. So I was hired by Lubbock in May of 07 to work to be their broadcast PR guy, et cetera. Uh, then they went out of business in July. Literally three, they hired me and then went out of, they closed their doors three months after hiring. And did you move there? Um, yeah. So, so that is when I luckily got hired by the Austin Ice Bats. Okay. They were, they were kind of like, all right, you kind of got hosed in this situation. I'm like, you think you know, I'm, I'm 24 years old. I just moved from Missouri to Texas trying to get a minor league hockey career started. And this bomb gets dropped on me. So yeah. So Lubbock went out of business. Austin went out of business. Odessa's still going strong today, but they dropped to junior hockey or they were going to go out of business. Arizona went out of business one year after I left. Denver went out of business one year after I left. So, you know, the joke I had, well, you mentioned the Texas Stars. The joke I had with my boss was, look, either I'm the bad luck guy just murdering these franchises each one I go to, <laughs> or, or they, are, they have saved me from minor league hockey, I'll, I'll say hell, it's a podcast. Sure. <laughs> Minor league hockey hell. And I finally get a chance to work for a stable franchise. The Texas stars are still around. So clearly I was not the bad luck guy. Yeah. And no, yeah. A- absolutely. That, wait, wait, they, they were the ultimate life lifeboat. <laughs> in trying <laughs> to survive minor league broadcasting and hockey. All right. The last thing on minor leagues, 
give us a name that we would know that you covered in these markets. That's like, wow, I didn't know that that person was there. With the Texas Stars? Either the Texas Stars or the Jackalopes, someone that, you know, made it. That, oh, wow. Because okay. I'll, I'll, get, I'll, um, give you, I'll give you mine with, uh, you know, the Houston Arrows. Uh, I mean, Charlie Coyle looked wonderful. Scandella looked wonderful. There yeah, was this, there was so this goalie that was Anton Hudobin who, you know, one game looked amazing. The next game, you know, you're like, I just don't know if this person's going to make it. So that Hudobin yeah. probably would be mine. Yeah, well, let's all right. So let's let's flip this the other way. All right. So, like, I mean, Houston. That's that's AHL, even yep. the old WHL days. Yep. That, that's one. Like, you should see players graduate from Houston when they were around to Correct. the NHL. Yep. And it's the same thing with the Texas Stars. Like that. That it's a true development model now. So, like, you know, uh, Fox, uh, Lindell, Jason Dickinson. Um, you know, they were all down. Steven Johns was there when I was there. Uh, Jake Ottinger got there right after I got there. Jason Robertson was there as an amateur finishing his junior hockey and just working out with the AHL team. So, like, I met Jason Robertson. He did. He probably wouldn't remember beating me because he was just lifting weights and skating and practicing with the team. He wasn't playing games. So, there, I've had a lot of crossover from the Texas Stars to – the Dallas stars. Um, the fun one I'll give you is I had 12 games of John Klingberg before he never came back. Oh, okay. Like he, yeah. Like he, he came over for, to play in North America full time from Sweden. I think he had double hip surgery or hip surgery. So he comes over, starts the season with us. My first year, this is 14, 15 after 12, it, I think it was either he had like nine points in 12 games or 12 points in nine games, something like that. But like after those nine to 12 games, he gets called up and then lo and behold, pulls that filthy toe drag off the faceoff with against Arizona and snaps it. Mm-hmm. And, it and it has that highlight real goal and it never came back. And then after that gets that eight year deal for the 4.25 million or whatever to stay. And that was, so we had John Klingberg for 12 games. I had Devin Shore for like oh, 10 yeah. games. Yeah. He shredded the American League and disappeared. Yeah. So, but, but, but when you work in the Central League, it's almost like who do you have that made it, but like barely made it? So I had a player in Odessa named Dave Van Drunen who's on the mythical list of players to play one NHL game and never play another one. Hmm. So he got there for one game with the Ottawa Senators and never got back, primarily an American League guy. Uh, I think his roommate was Mike Fisher, the one game he was up. Oh, wow. His husband. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, there was there was a couple of guys, um, Dan, Dan LaPerriere, who's a scout, I think with the avalanche, yep. he played one season in the central league, but was primarily an American league guy, had a little bit of taste in the NHL. Uh, you know what to go, to go uh, like the DFW route, Jason Deitch, who played for the Allen Americans for, for a handful of years. Mm-hmm. He was a big, he was a big time player in the central league, but would have his cup of coffee, in the American league. And for some reason would never stick, you know? So I, I have a lot of the reverse, the guys yeah. who were there and then sort of just tailed out their career at, at the very end. Of Did the, you have Honka uh, in Texas? Yeah, I, yeah, I had, yeah, yes. When I, when I had him, he was Julius Honka. Then I came up here and he was Julius. Yeah. Honka. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, 
you can't be Julius with me for three years or yeah. four years. And it, like, what are you, what are you doing, man? <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah, I had hunks. Yeah, I, I enjoyed hunks down there. Yeah, I mean, man, I was watching film on him and everything, and I don't want to say, you know, I didn't label him a can't miss, but I said, this kid's going to be good, this kid's going to be good, and, you know, it just didn't materialize. But that's something else besides looking at the salary cap I enjoy is is, is looking at the tape, and I always say, and as a person who's covered the CHL and the AHL like you have, I really start to judge at the AHL level because, to me, as much as I love the USHL, the you know Quebec's league or the WHL or uh, those junior leagues, there's a, so much open ice, you know. But when you come to Texas or something, it just tightens it up. And I've talked to Craig about that as well. That's when you see, you know, how good Jay, uh, you know, Ottinger could be or Jason Robertson. So, you know, as much as I, you know, love it, but when it comes to Texas. To me, that's when you can see because really a lot of those players, I don't know if you agree, Brian, but, you know, it just comes down to consistency why they're not in the big leagues. It, it is. And, man, I, 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 I could go for days on, on this. Um, the, the level, the, 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 the jump you have to make from the ECHL to the AHL it is still a wide gap and the jump you have to make from the AHL to the NHL and consistency is the word. It, it, it is a big part of it. There's still a, a pretty measurable gap in, in the talent and the details you deal with from the AHL to, to the NHL. And since you mentioned, you know, Robertson and Rope hints, I, I'll, I'll, let's put three players out there. Okay. Robertson hints, and Dennis Gurionov mm-hmm. and, and, and Rope hints and Dennis Gurionov. I had every day in the American league. And I, you know, I, I root for those players as hard as anybody because of the relationship I had with them in the American league, Jason Robertson as well. I just didn't know Jason Robertson yeah. on a personal level in the American league, the way I knew Hinson Gurionov. All three of those players were 20 goal scorers in the American hockey league. And, and I thought, all right, there, there's offensive touch there. Like, you know, if you're scoring 20 to 25 goals, you know, in, in the American League, like you, you do have some offensive skill. But that does not – I did not see Jason Robertson as a 20 – whatever 20-plus goals he scored in the American League turning to 40 in the NHL. Like that – there was clearly – his ceiling still had room to be pushed higher and and he has clearly maximized that. Same with Rope Hints. I saw his 20 plus goals in the American League. That I did not immediately think, well, that's going to be 37 goals in the NHL. I did not see that. Dennis Kurianov, the 20 goals in the American League. We saw the season of 20 up here in the NHL, mm-hmm. but we also have seen the inconsistency in the struggles. And it's so hard to predict yeah. which player has their ceiling at one spot and which player has another two levels to go before he reaches his ceiling. And part of it could be physical, part of it could be mental, part of it could be a combination. And that's where, you know, scouting and drafting and developing, it all plays a huge part of it, but it's just so hard to predict what player is going to be that make that jump from the American league to the NHL and then make another step once they get to the NHL. And and there's been players that I've seen play full seasons at the NHL level 
And then they go down to the American League because their team missed the playoffs. You know, take uh, Anaheim, for instance. Anaheim will probably send a player or two down after this season is done if their AHL affiliate is going to compete in the playoffs because they want them playing games and continuing to play in, in high-stress situations. I've seen players that play a full season in the NHL come down to the American League and they disappear. You're like, huh. how did you just play 55 games in the NHL against that level of competition, but you come down here and you just disappear? Yeah. You know, and, and part of that, you know, is it mental? Is it motivation? Is it, you know, I, I, there's so many indicators that are so hard to predict sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. It really can be. Yeah, it, it really can be a crapshoot sometimes. And you talk, some you talk about so. you had a relationship with with Gurianov, and, and and people forget coming off the Nachushkin where I need to be in the NHL, I won't go down to the AHL. And then you had a guy, and one of the things I was excited about when I watched Gurianov and World Juniors, how well he skated down the wing for Team Russia, and, and then finding out that he wanted to play here. And he wanted to learn English and he wanted to do it the right way. And I know we look at the person, you know, in the NHL that unfortunately has been too inconsistent, but the backstory, and you would know better than many being at the Texas stars of Dennis Gurionov to me is pretty fascinating. So I'll, I'll tell you Dennis Gurionov's story and, and hopefully for, for the real diehard stars fans, they'll enjoy this. This is a Dennis Gurionov AHL story. And look, I'm going to put the disclaimer. I am going to impersonate a very bad Russian accent of Denis Gurionov. <laughs> it's purely out of I just I want to put the disclaimer okay. out there. Let's okay. not right. fire I, Brian Ray. We yes. like Brian okay. Ray. And and Denis Gurionov knows this story and he would he, he's the first person to laugh at me. So I I apologize in advance for my very poor impersonation, but Denny would Denny came over to us when I was in Texas, and obviously this is, you know, a twenty-year-old kid, barely speaks English, new country, new cultures, new environment, everything, and you do not get a translator in the American Hockey League. All right, let's just put it at that. So he is at the mercy of what English he knows, and 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 I remember, you know, it. it when you're the PR guy or the broadcaster and you're working with some of these guys, you know, yes, they're developing on the ice, but they have to do interviews. They have to be in front of the camera. The media is a part of the life and the job. So that is another part that they are developing and working with. And Dennis Gurionov was no different. So we go the whole season. Denny is terrified to give interviews and slowly but surely, you know, he has a good game. You know, I would stand next to him. I would, you know, help him understand the questions or try to, you know, relay them or shorten words, whatever. But we just slowly but surely, interview by interview, you know, worked with him on this stuff. And also, he was he was taking English lessons on his own. This In no way did I teach Dennis Gurionov English. He did that on his own with a tutor and a translator, and, and he worked – on his own time to, to really get a command of the English language, but we're working with these interviews. So we get to the end of the season and he gets called up and I don't think he appeared in a game. This, this, this might've been like 15, 16, maybe 16, 17, you know, around that time. Uh, 
but he's practicing with the team. You know, he's, he, uh, you know, participating morning skates, whatever. And he gets called up day one practice is over. He's the first round pick, the new kid in town. He's got the media surrounding him and everybody wants to talk to him. And, you know, he gets asked his questions, does great answers the questions, does a good job, you know, looks good, looks comfortable, whatever. I want, you know, I went on the stars website, the Dallas stars website, watched the video, the whole thing. He goes up there a couple of days go by. They send him back down. You know, he got his taste practicing. They send him back down. And I see him the first day he's back. I walk into the locker room and I'm like, hey, Denny. And I mean, he just, he like smacks me on the shoulder, probably harder than he thought because of how excited he was. But he just goes, bro, you see my interview? <laughs> And I, and I look at him, I go, I did. I'm like, yeah, Denny, I saw it. You did really well. And he holds out for the fist bump and he goes, you and me, we practice. <laughs> and, 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 for the, and like, like I, I just, I was dying laughing. Oh, that's like, great. Yeah, it was all you. It was all you. Like, yeah, we practiced. I'm like, that was you. It's, he was so proud of the work he put in off the ice. And then like he did his interview and he felt good with us. It's just. Like, how do you not root for players like that? And yes, right. on the ice, he's had his inconsistencies, and I, I, I just hope and pray he can, he can just find that next step in his game. But getting back to our original conversation of that jump, you know, you net, you just—it's hard to tell what players have hit their ceiling and still have a way to go. And when do you know? that a player has reached his maximum potential or he still has a little bit to give. It's so hard to predict and find that indicator despite what efforts they may or may not put on and off the ice to try and achieve that. And so, yeah, it's, those are, those are the stories that I take away from my time at the Texas stars that I just, I, I still laugh at now even talking to you about them. That is uh, great. You've been listening to Spits and, and Suds. And, and uh, I apologize for the accent. Den- Den- no, it was I a good, it was decent. It was, it was decent. <laughs> I, I don't know if it would make Jack Ryan season three accent, but it was decent. No. <laughs> you know, it was, it was okay. It was not in a mocking style, and it's a terrific story. Um, Brian, this has been terrific getting to know you for Stars fans because we see you on camera and you and Sevy have a great relationship and everything, but I love off-camera Brian Ray. And it's been great that we could take the time and get to know you and talk Stars and uh, find out your passion for things like Cowboy Mouth, your trials and tribulations throughout the minors, the fact that you built a mascot, the fact that you know what a cutthroat is. I mean, you're a beast, brother, and uh, hopefully we will have you back on again, and I will have to do some even more deep-diving research on the man that we watch on television known as Brian Ray. You know, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot you can find on my social media between uh, comments, captions, and, and photos. So there's your, there's your sleuthing skills if you want to take care of that. But, no, it's been fun. I'm, I'm glad you had me on. It's, uh, I, I enjoy the podcast, and... Happy New Year to you, to all the listeners, and obviously it's going to be a fun stretch drive as we get into February, March, and April with this team. There's a lot of drama that still remains to be unfolded, so it's going to be fun. Heck yeah, and we will have a new episode of Spits and Suds likely tomorrow with the beast of the NHL, Sean Shapiro. So we'll talk to you again tomorrow right here on Spits and Suds. Have a great day, everybody.